Welcome to the latest podcast from the Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Each month we review an appraiser journal article, typically from PRS, and summarize it for you in this podcast. The full journal can be obtained from the PRS website. May 30th, 2018, Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal Club coming to you from Sydney, Australia. My name is Damien Marucci. I'm here with Dr. Daniel Yang. We are now talking about soft tissue reconstruction of the complicated knee arthroplasty. Principles and Predictors of Salvage. This is by Colin et al. from Philadelphia, and this was published in the April 2018 PRS. So, Daniel, what was this paper about in a nutshell? So, I thought this was a very interesting paper by an obviously very experienced group. They were looking at the different factors that contribute to knee um, prosthesis salvage when there's a soft tissue complication. Um, trying to address the identification of the best timing and position of the reconstructive surgeon in the whole process of, of a complicated total knee arthroplasty. Um, obviously complications in these uh, total knee replacements, the most devastating would be prosthetic failure, knee fusion or even amputation, so soft tissue involvement um, obviously is a potentially very complicated issue. Um, they've done a retrospective cohort review of uh, everyone referred to the senior surgeon for soft tissue reconstruction who underwent a total knee reconstruction uh, between the years of 2008-2016. 73 total knee joints were included in the analysis from 71 patients. Uh, in terms of methodology, the patients were divided right from the outset into two groups based on the status of the knee at the time of referral to the senior author's institution. Group one patients um, had an open knee wound on presentation, sorry, did not have an open knee wound on presentation and they received all the orthopedic and reconstructive care within the one institution. Group two patients had an active wound and were referred from outside of the uh, author's institution. The primary outcomes that were measured were total knee arthroplasty salvage uh, which they define as retention of the knee prosthesis at the last follow-up. Secondary outcomes were subsequent knee fusion, uh, above knee amputation, the ambulatory state of the patient and ongoing antibiotic therapy. Uh, interestingly, it, within the primary outcome group, they did um, accept people who were on chronic suppressive antibiotic therapy as well. Uh, they uh, reported um, their results, uh, just looking at it in general terms, first 45 out of the 73 knees were salvaged, um, so that's 61.6%. Um, two out of these patients um, didn't have a definitive prosthesis at the end of their all. They chose to keep antibiotic spaces in um, as they declined further surgery. So that changes the definition of the primary outcome initially mentioned. Uh, there was a statistically significant higher rate of salvage in the group one patients, um, as opposed to the patients who were referred from outside centers and there was a significantly higher rate of prosthesis failure in that group too, again. Um, there was a temporal relationship between uh, prosthesis salvage um, in so much as in general terms, the group described that if there were more procedures prior to the definitive soft tissue reconstruction, that was a bad sign, um, as well as the increased time of diagnosis of the soft tissue uh, complications. Um, they also mentioned the microbiology of it all. 93.3 um, patients who had a negative culture achieved salvage, um, as opposed to 52.96 patient of patients who had any positive cultures along the course. So There's a very big difference there. 
Um, gram-negative organisms had a 47.1 salvage rate versus gram-positive organisms, 52.7%, not a huge difference, but statistically significant. Um, and uh, so yeah, I think those were the sort of broad factors that played into their... Well, yeah, they also mentioned that if you had a positive wound swap at the time of... Uh, definitive, definitive reconstruction. Yeah, definitive reconstruction, that was a, a, 40%. You know, a, a predictor of a poor outcome. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and including amputation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of just gross numbers, they had uh, what was it? Eighteen ampute above the amputations, I believe, um, from their cohort, which represented. Um, yeah, twenty-four point seven percent required an amputation. Yeah. So twenty-five percent, one in four. Yeah. Um, which is uh, very sobering. It is scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so looking at the, the conclusions, um, I'm sorry, the strengths of this sort of study, it's a consecutive series done by a single surgeon. Um, they, I think, did quite a thorough analysis of all the multiple variables um, addressed. Uh, some weaknesses that were, limitations that were addressed by the authors is that it was a retrospective study and the pre-hospital records, especially for the group two patients, um, were quite inconsistent. There wasn't really a detailed analysis of outcomes such as knee function, range of movement, it was more broadly whether they kept the prosthesis or whether they lost it or whether they lost the leg. Um, and there was some selection bias introduced by the whole referral process by the orthopaedic surgeons. Um, I think the most important thing that came out of this study is the principles outlined by the author. Um, try and get an aseptic joint yep. within the smallest number of procedures possible within yeah. the timeliest fashion possible and to in patients who you expect to have soft tissue complications um, at time of total knee replacement to even consider prophylactic soft tissue coverage yeah. um, and obviously have a multidisciplinary orthoplastic approach for these complex patients. Yeah, I think these are really challenging cases to manage. You know, uh, as plastic surgeons we like all the foreign material to be removed a lot of times the orthopaedic uh, surgeons will be extremely resistant to that, understandably so. Mm -hmm. uh, although, you know, if you look at infected breast prostheses, for example, you know, the concept of biofilm and getting rid of the uh, implant in order to get rid of the biofilm, cleansing the pocket uh, before putting in a new implant is the way we normally treat uh, other devices. And uh, uh, when I can, I strongly encourage my orthopaedic colleagues to remove the implant completely and I think this uh, paper sort of adds credence to that because you can't put a lid on a volcano if you've got a positive culture simply putting a muscle flap on top of it unless you're actually you know really putting the muscle in between uh, every single nook and cranny which the muscle is not large enough to do uh, you are setting yourself up for a high incidence of failure um, this was a, a great paper which was very interesting thank you Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support.